You're listening to the Cutoff Man Baseball Podcast, keeping you updated on everything around the league. Now, here are your hosts, Jake and Shane. And welcome into the Cutoff Man Baseball Podcast, your relay man for all things MLB and fantasy. I'm your host, Jake Collin, with me today. And with me for the rest of the episode, let's hope, is Shane Walker. Shane, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Happy to get this started and kicked off. Spring training's in swing. Life's good. Yeah, no, this is something that's, you know, kind of been in the works for a little bit now. And now that, like you said, spring training games have been happening for, you know, a little over a week now. And we've kind of seen some things happen. And what I wanted to do since it's our first episode, you know, people haven't heard us yet. A lot of moves have happened in the offseason, and so what I thought would be good is for the casual fan, catch them up on, like, what's happened. Yeah, for sure. Um, Before we start into that, though, I want to inject a little factoid about a a guy we love, James Wood. Um, Oh, yeah. He hit another home run today, and he hit it 111.6 miles an hour, which is higher than any Nationals home run in the last two years. Is that really? Is that is that, is that, <laughs> that true? That is a true fact. Yeah, September oh. 1st, 2021 was the last time anyone hit it over 110 for the Nats. So if that's just... not a sign to get that man in the majors. He's so sure. good. It, it, You know, it, I think it's going to take a lot to get him in that, in that lineup. I talked with um, Tim Kanak on the Fantasy Baseball podcast and asked him kind of what his opinions were on that. And it's just going to take a lot. You know, they got other prospects, Dylan Cruz and um, and uh, Robert Hassel, guys like that, that they probably want to bring up all at the same time is what Tim said. And Brady House, too. Yeah, yeah probably. Exactly. But I mean, when the Nationals are posting about him, I, what was the caption on the on the Twitter post about Pookie looking Nice. He's looking nice today about James Woods' therm. I did see that. Yeah, when you're giving him that kind of love, I mean, come on. Pookie's basically an invite to the majors is what I heard. <laughs> I, I, and 2024, if, if someone's calling you Pookie, you're up in the big leagues. I don't know about all that, <laughs> but well, it would be exciting. <laughs> I'm at least excited to have him on on our dynasty yeah. team in Odonu. Yeah, no, that was definitely a big acquisition for us. Yeah, I, I thought we'd get it kicked off. You know, maybe if a uh, casual fan's listening, they've been, you know, wrapped up in the NFL, seeing the Chiefs win and just haven't really looked at baseball. You know, it's just now starting up. You know, I kind of wanted to take us back to November. Um, the first big, what I thought was the big move is um, free, air, free agent Aaron Nola. He re-signed with the Phillies for seven years, a contract of $172 million. That's going to put him till his age 37 season. How are you feeling about that? You're you're a big Aaron Nola guy, Shane. How are you feeling about this move? Love Aaron Nola. I mean, he's he's a roller coaster in in fantasy sports. At least the last few years, he's had every other year is the Aaron Nola thing of having a really great year and then having a pretty good year, but with a high ERA. But from a real life perspective, obviously, it's great for the Phillies. Um, they have him, like you said, through age 37 season, and that'll be good for having, you know, veteran presence for guys coming up like Micah Bell, Andrew Painter, mm-hmm. and having a guy like that around to kind of 
you know, show you the ropes. Hopefully in the next couple years or maybe even this year for them, they're hoping to make that World Series push and pushing all the chips in, locking down Nola to keep him around really helps with that. Definitely. And he's a, a workhorse kind of ace. You look at the past three seasons with Nola. I mean, 180 innings, 205 innings, 193 last year. He's, he's going to provide you innings um, as well as strikeouts. He's a strikeout guy. Um, what you said about his, his ERA fluctuating every other year. Um, definitely true with Nola. That's something that, you know, if we get even your Nola, you know, then we're going to get good. No, he's going to be below a four ERA. You know, <laughs> I, I hope to see it. It's sad that I let him go on one of my teams, but you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta cut ties and that's how it happens. But Hey, I'm rocking with Nola, my TGFBI. He was my first pitcher off the board in the fifth round. So I'm hoping for an even year Nola. So yeah, I was going to say, you feel confident in that? I paired him with Blake Snell, so I mean, it's it's <laughs> a uh, it's a pitching staff that's um, we might just throw ratios out the window as as a complete thing. So, <laughs> but I, on. I I like Nola. I mean, he he's never someone I'm upset to have on my team. Right. It's just you might get those blow up outings, but with today's environment, it's kind of expected from a lot of people. Yeah, I kind of see him as a back-end ace. He's, he's one of those guys that's almost teetering on ace. I mean, I still think he is an ace, but... I think he's an ace. Yeah. Well, speaking of guys that used to be an ace <laughs> and fallen off, the next guy I have is Lance Lynn. Uh, speaking Lance of blow-up starts, jeez. <laughs> it seemed like he had nothing but blow-up starts in 2023. Um, Lance Lynn, he, he signs a $1 million, uh or sorry, an $11 million contract for one year going back to the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting deal. I mean, you're going to see a, kind of a track record with these Cardinal moves um, that we're going to bring up, but age 36 season for Lance Lynn. I mean, how are we feeling about Lance Lynn this season with his home run troubles he had last year? I think Lance Lynn has me conflicted. Every time I look at him. for fantasy purposes, he's someone I always want to get. And then when I get him and he has blow up starts like this past year, I think to myself, why, why did I want to get him so bad? And then as soon as I trade him away, he's the type of pitcher that can go on one of those kinds of runs. You know, he'll mm-hmm. have like when he got traded to the Dodgers this year, he had a run of four games with only, I think two earned runs in that time. And I hopped back on the train and traded for him. And then he immediately proceeded to give up bomb after bomb like he did. But, you know, in pursuit of the Cardinals wanting to build the oldest team possible, I think it's a great <laughs> signing. Yeah, and, and, and you know, Lance Lynn was with the Cardinals from, you know, 2011 to mm-hmm. uh, 2018, got traded in that season. But He's a guy, he's usually a higher strikeout guy. I mean, he's still got 191 strikeouts last season with, it seemed like a, a home run or two every outing he had. So it was it was really a roller coaster experience, like you said, having Lance Lynn on a team. Yeah, in, it definitely was his highest uh, home run percentage last year, 19% uh, yeah. home run to fly ball ratio last year. That's five percent higher than any other year he's had in his career yeah so 
hopefully that doesn't continue for him, but I'm not overly confident or a guy that's looking to draft Lance Lynn in fantasy this year, particularly. Oh, I agree. Talking about a guy you don't want in fantasy. This seems to be a guy that we kind of always rag on in a fantasy sense, but you know, in a real life sense, he, he does make sense. I think in this move, um, and Ennio Suarez, he got traded from the Mariners to the Diamondbacks, um, got traded for a catcher, uh, Sebi Savala, um, and a right-handed pitcher, Carlos Vargas. Um, and Ennio Suarez, I mean, the, the story with him is power and strikeouts and no average. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the Ennio um, Suarez experience. I... You know, I never used to be that against drafting him in fantasy, but once he left Cincinnati and he wasn't going to put up necessarily 35 automatic home runs every year, I kind of just washed my hands with Ingenio Suarez and just said he's not for me. I'm in in a corner infield spot. I think he's got some value, mm-hmm. especially in roto leagues if you need some sneaky power. And strikeouts aren't going to hurt you as much. I mean... Right. He had a 30% strikeout rate, 30.8 and 31.2% in 2022. Like he's a guy that's going to lead the league or be up there in the league in in his strikeout percentage. And he's not going to do you any favors in batting average, but there's people like that. You can have like a Kyle Schwarber type that you can live with having on your team. And the diamondbacks have good enough players to where he'll get good counting stats along with the power. So, He's I think he's their everyday third he's baseman. Got, he's got value for sure. It's just exactly. another one of those guys that I I don't typically go for. What about this next guy? Kenta Maeda, older pitcher, um, going to Detroit, two-year contract for $24 million. Going to a good ballpark. Kenta Maeda had a, a little bit of a resurgence last year, I'd say. He's been coming off some injuries. Um, and now goes to the Tigers. How do you how do you feel about Kinsmaiga to the Tigers? I like it for the Tigers. Um he had a good year last year besides one blow up start. Um he was pretty consistent. I kind of like what the Tigers are building over there as far as rotation wise. They have uh, Maeda now, Scooble, Flaherty, then take your pick among options, Matt Manning Results and Casey Mize, Sawyer Gibson did, Long. Did you include Flaherty as guys that you're impressed with? I it, it's a name that holds value. Um, it's you know, definitely I, a I've, name. I've got to see him pitch and be healthy. I don't um, think we've seen a good Jack Flaherty season in the last three years, four years. He was one of those guys that when I first started playing fantasy all the baseball heads were talking about Jack Flair. Oh yeah. So, so I still have that little bit of soft spot for him and I would like to see him bounce back and yeah. be good. Um, but yeah, back to Kenta Maeda. Um, like I said, had a good run last year. He even got 104 innings pitched. That's not bad considering he missed about two months ish. I'm mm-hmm. um, still pitched in, 21 games, started 20 of those. Um, decent, 
k per nine ten it's it's not bad but as long as he's healthy i think i think he'll be contributing for sure and as a middle of the order middle of the rotation kind of guy he's projected to be their number three weirdly behind jack flaherty um see (laughs) i'm not the only one I, i don't agree with it but I, I, I agree with what you said. I think it adds something to the Tigers' rotation. That's um, going to be interesting to see how, how it plays out this year, especially in that ballpark. I think I honestly kind of like what the Tigers are cooking up this season. And once we get into our um, divisional previews um, mm-hmm. here in the next couple of weeks, I mean, we'll break it down a little bit more, but that's kind of a little bit of a hint of I kind of like what the Tigers are doing, weirdly enough. I know you're excited to talk about Akil Badu. We'll give you your segment. Don't you worry. Hey, I drafted him in my AL only league. I can't wait to drop him. So, <laughs> um, next guy uh, talking about old pitchers for the Cardinals, Sonny Gray. Um, you know, he finished as a, uh, a Cy Young contender in the AL last year. Moves over to the NL. Um, a guy that's kind of bounced around teams in the past couple years, but he's a little bit of a tinker with a pitch. You know, as a pitcher, but. I think he's pretty good, you know. He's a, he's a good enough pitcher, um, especially for what the Cardinals need. Um, I think Sonny Gray is a, a good little addition. Yeah, I think um, I think Sonny Gray with that Cardinals lineup and the division they're playing in, um, I think he'll definitely have a lot of value. Got 104 inning, 184 innings in last year. It's the most he's had in what is that six years seven years yeah um, what I like, so what hopefully I like, he can hold that health for... what i like about him too kind of looking at his stats is he has almost a 50 percent ground ball rate um and cardinals have a really good defense i mean they have probably <laughs> one of the best defenses especially in the infield you got you know arenado at the corner spot mason win that kid's gonna be electric and you got um you know, Tommy Edmond or Nolan Gorman is going to play second and then Paul Goldschmidt at first. So if he's going to put the ball on the ground and let him get out, you know, it's going to be good for him. Yeah. It will be good for him. Um, you know, his expected numbers last year are a little worse than he performed, but I think even those will go down now that he's on a different team. Not, not that the Twins defense is necessarily inherently bad but like you said having gold clovers around and youthful talent that can also play defense with that ground ball right i think as long as he's healthy if he got up to 184 innings again this year i think his fantasy season will be better than last year's i agree i agree speaking of a guy with questionable fantasy seasons who was touted as a really good pitcher a couple years ago Bell off is Luis Severino. Um, staying in New York, going over the Mets. Um, just signed a one-year contract for $13 million. Kind of a, a little bit of a prove-it deal, I think. But that Mets rotation is going to suck. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's it's not, not going to be good. Like, they lost Kodai Singa um, with, with, some, with some arm injuries. And now... But he's not out all year, though, right? Not expected. Not as of right now, but um, me and Tim talked about it. Like, he's got an injection. 
like his throwing program is going to be pushed back a couple weeks. So like, I, I'm a little bit weary of that. And so that's going to put a lot more stress on what the Mets are going to have to do in the rotation. And um, Luis Severino's going to be one of their aces. I mean, it's Jose Quintana and Luis Severino's the one, two punch. Yeah. Severino being a guy that they're leaning on for getting them innings isn't something I feel confident about. No, not at all. Uh, he hasn't pitched over 102 innings in the last four years. Yeah. He's just dealt with injury. And he and when he's good, or when he's healthy, he hasn't pitched that great either the last two seasons. He has he had under he had a 7.9 K per nine. Yeah, I I've never been huge into Severino. I was a few years back when when I was letting other fantasy experts talk me into it. Right. But when I but when I watch him, um, at least the last few years, I just haven't seen it. And then I never see him. He's never on the field. Right. Well, let's move through some of these because we got some big ones coming up. Um, a little bit more of a minor one. I don't think it matters too too much, but. Uh, Jared Kelnick, Mark Gonzalez, and Evan White got traded to the Braves um, for a couple of pitchers in Jackson Cower and Cole Phillips. Um, funny thing, Marco Gonzalez later got traded to the Pirates from that, and Evan White later got traded to the Angels. But I think the most important piece, excuse me, in this is Jared Kelnick. You know, he was one of the Mariners' top prospects, came up, had a questionable start, came back last year actually got on a little bit of a heater, looked really good, and then he kicked a cooler. <laughs> yeah, the self-inflicted wounds. Right. Um. Yeah, Kelnick, I like Kelnick coming up. I thought him and Julio Rodriguez were really going to be the future of Seattle. Um. But obviously, got moved. Uh, he has an everyday spot with the Braves, does he not? Or is it not official? As of right he's, now, he's projected he's to be platooning. their left fielder. Okay. So he's, he's not gonna... platooning. Ross Reshore shows him. I mean, I don't know who he'd platoon with. I mean, currently on their bench and the Braves. I mean, it's guys like David Fletcher, Luis Guillermo, and Forrest Wall. So, so... Marcel Azuna is not going to play outfield. And that man doesn't know how to catch a ball. So. <laughs> I think Jared Kelnick's going to get some playing time. He's projected to bat eighth, you know, in that lineup that's going to produce a lot of runs. So, yeah. For that reason, I mean, I'm kind of buying back into Jared Kelnick. He's just got to get that strike percentage down. He's 31.7% last year, still. And I'm, I'm hoping he's not like, like when I was big into Joe Adele. Just one of those 4A players that kind of mm. hover in between. I don't think Jared Kelnick's quite like that. I think he can produce at the big league level, and definitely being on the Braves helps with that. Right. But I I, I need to see it from him. He'd be someone I'd, I'd target late if I need a fifth outfielder. But Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know where he'll fall in, in drafts. We'll have other people reaching for him, I'm sure. We have Mariners fan in our league. We have a Braves fan in our league as well. So <laughs> it's possible they reach for him before I will. 
But if they yeah. don't, I'll, I'll be okay with, with having Jared Kelnick late. Yeah. What about this next one? A really highly touted prospect, the number two overall um, in MLB's top 100 prospects that came out, Jackson Churio. Um, he agreed to an eight-year contract with Milwaukee for $82 million. Hasn't seen a single pitch in the MLB and signs a really big contract with the Brewers. Um, has a couple options in there in the 2032 and 33 season, but I mean, this is a guy that is impressive in the minor leagues. He's only 19 years old. That's that's the crazy thing to me is he's only 19 years old, and he got a contract this big. I mean, what are your thoughts on Jackson Churro? This kid came to play. Yeah, I I see comparisons calling him, and it may be a bit of a stretch, but calling him Ronald Acuna Light. Obviously, not going to give you as much power, but he's got the speed. Oh yeah, um, sixty grade fielder. Um, he's got the hit tool. I, he obviously won't have the counting stats that Ronald Acuna have, but he's someone that I can see being a steal in drafts if he were to fall. Definitely, and and obviously in your in your dynasty leagues, he's going to go a little bit earlier as as a guy that's ranked that high on prospect lists. Right. Um, it's usually a combination between like him and Langford and Evan Carter for the outfield spot, but. I mean, like you said, he's got speed. He stole uh, 43 bags last year in uh, in double A and then had a little bit of a cup of coffee. He had only had six games in triple A, so you can't really get too much from that. But in double A, you know, you hear a lot of guys talk about double A is the new triple A. You know, guys mm-hmm. jump up from double A to the big leagues all the time. So um, he's here when to play you, this season. When you get a guy like that who's got an on-base percentage of 336 and slugging, 467 he's gonna be on the bags stealing bases he'll find a way to get those counting stats and i imagine that he'll probably bat pretty high in that order if he's producing like we think he will yeah i actually um i just picked him up in my tgfbi i got him in my ninth round so i was pretty happy about that i got him and julio kind of pair up so how do you feel good about my steals how do you feel about the the Brewers and, and their prospects? I know they signed Churio. Obviously, they feel that he's going to be a key piece into that. But as far as what that sets up for the Brewers going forward, do you have any thoughts on on that? I think we'll, you know, and we'll expand upon this a little bit more in our divisional breakdown, have a little bit more time for that. But um, I think it's a bright future. You know, I mean – a guy that we'll talk about later, um, like they re-signed Brandon Woodruff to two years. I think to keep him around for the next year, you know, maybe this is a year where Churio gets his feet wet. You know, he still has a chance to win a uh, uh, a rookie of the year. So um, with his skill talent <clears throat> and, uh, I don't know, like Sal Freelick and um, even like Bryce Terang, they got Joey Ortiz, Deal Hall. You're in a, missing in a trade. Jacob Misranowski, our guy. He's not gonna. I, he, I don't think he's gonna come up this year, though. Well, um, not for this year, but for the future, I like. I like the future. You know, I love Jacob Miskrinowski. Miskrinowski. See, I can't even say his name, but uh, I love that lanky guy. Yeah. yeah, big fan. But yeah, um, we can kind of move past this one. But I thought it was um, speaking of Milwaukee. Wade Miley. He re-signs a, a one-year contract for eight point five million. I think he just provides some depth 
to that rotation. Um, yeah, he's, he's a he's been a good guy. Good yeah. lefty. He's not going to throw. You know, he's not a hard thrower, but he he gets the job done. You know. Yeah, threw a no hitter a couple years ago. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and then back uh, in December, Alex Verdugo got traded to the Yankees uh, for a couple pitchers: Greg Weishert, Richard Fitz, um, and Nicholas Justice. That went back to the Red Sox. <sighs> to me, this doesn't really mean much for the future. To me, Verdugo was free. Is what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, these guys that the Red Sox got, they're not on any list. No one's ranking. I haven't heard of these guys get brought up. So, And you got to think about it with the Yankees. Um, the next couple, we'll talk about the big outfielder they got and then literally the big guy they already have in Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their other guy that came up last year, Jason Dominguez, um, Heck, we saw the the Aaron Judge 2.0 um, mm-hmm. in spring training hit a couple home runs. Um, Spencer Jones. Spencer Jones. There it is. Um, so I think the future for the outfield for the Yankees is good. So it, like Verdugo is almost like a filler piece for this season. Yeah, and he's not a guy that's gonna gonna hurt the team. He's you know a decent batting average guy. Gets on base. Doesn't strike out that much. I think he's a, a solid piece to to maybe help them reclaim the first spot in their division, like I thought yeah. they would have last year. But obviously, they battled a bunch of injuries. Right. Can't always plan for that, but yeah, Verd- I think Verdugo is a good piece that they that they got. Next guy's kind of an interesting one. If you uh, listen to any of the CBS podcast with Scott White, he loves bringing up Eric Fetty. He uh, took him in one of the mocks that we did last night, actually. So, um, pitcher coming over from the KBO, Eric Fetty. He's a 31-year-old pitcher. He might be one of the better pitchers on the White Sox this season. (laughs) He is the pitcher on the White Sox. Well, Dylan, they still have Dylan Cease if they don't Uh, trade him. Maybe. Um, But, yeah, I mean... He went from being a guy that had a 6.6 K per nine and in the KBO had a 10.4 K per nine. So really changed something up in his mechanics. And he pitched the most innings he's pitched in his whole career over at the KBO. So that bides well for him coming back and being able to hold up in a big league rotation. And maybe he sticks around with the White Sox for this year. Maybe they use him as a piece to try to go grab some prospects at the trade deadline to someone that's really pushing. If he is performing how we did at the KBO, obviously. I mean, he he signed a two-year contract for 15 million. So it's not like they're spending too much money on Eric Fetty, but I mean, if you look at his stats compared to what he did uh, with the nationals in 2022 and granted the KBO is a different level of competition uh, compared to MLB bats. But I mean, he cut his home run per nine from 1.4 to 0.45. You know, like yeah. everything you look at in Eric Fetty stats only got better. So, granted, don't think he's going to get 20 wins like he did in the KBO, but no, <laughs> no, not on that team. He will not get 20 wins on the white. He'll be lucky to get wins with that White Sox team this year. That White Sox team is 
puff. So what? moving on to this next one of the, I would say one of the biggest, if not the biggest trades of the offseason, um, Juan Soto. His third team in his young career. Uh, him and Trent Grisham getting traded to the Yankees um, for some pretty good pieces going back to the Padres. Um, they got Michael King, who broke out, moved to a starting uh, rotation spot last year. Uh, Drew Thorpe, who I think is a pretty good pitcher. He ranked 85 on MLB Top 100 Prospects. Um, and then they got Johnny Brito Filter. Brito Filter. Johnny Brito, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Brito. Uh, Cal Higashioka and Randy Vasquez. So I think this was a pretty good trade. Uh, Yankees also get another outfielder in that with Trent Grisham as a backup. So this is also a reason where I'm not as big on Verdugo. Not that I think Trent Grisham is going to do anything, but he provides some insurance to hey. Trent Grisham, Fort Worth boy. Grew up, grew up 15 minutes for me. Put some respect on Trent Grisham's name. Okay, well. He's got a, a dirty stash, and that's all I know about him. And he, he can at least keep it with the Yankees. So, But I, I think, obviously, the biggest piece in this trade is Juan Soto. Right. Um, like I said, it's his third team. He's 25 years old. He's what a lot of people would call a future Hall of Famer. Um, just with his, his, his discipline at the plate, um, his power, just everything he has. He's, he's the total package as, as a hitter. He's one of the best hitters. Um, yep. And now he goes to the Yankee Stadium, short left field porch. He's still going to be playing to the contract year for him. I mean, what do you see from Juan Soto this year? I, I think we get a big season from Juan Soto. Yeah, I think um, definitely going to have better counting stats at that stadium. Although I don't know how much I buy into the stadium effect. Um, last year, 2023, I mean, he only pulled 25% of his hits to left or to right field. But Yankee feels shorter than, than, you know, most other parks and especially compared to Petco. I mean, Petco is one of the worst parks for home runs and Yankees is one of the best. Yeah. But according to baseball reference, if, if he played all of his home games at Yankee stadium last year, he only would have had 27 compared to the 35 he actually hit. Well, that's why we play road games, you know? <laughs> we do play road games. <laughs> granted, I don't think it's going to hinder him in any way. He spread, I mean, just from those stats, he spreads it 75% to the opposite field as a left-handed hitter. And when he does right. pull it, he's got a short porch over there. So I think I think it's going to be a big season for Juan Soto. I mean, personally, for me, I'm I'm projecting like 40 home runs, 40 or more home runs. I don't think that's far fetched. I mean, he got 35 last year. I don't think five more is that far fetched. Um, he's also in and looking from a fantasy standpoint of points league. He's a top three guy to go off the board. I mean, and he's it, not he's, someone you can pitch around in that lineup. You got Aaron Judge still sitting there. Right. Labor Torres had a great year last year. Right. Hopefully, see some improvements from people like Anthony Volpe when mm -hmm. Jason Dominguez comes back. It's mm -hmm. not going to be a guy you can avoid pitching to. And not that you could avoid pitching to him last season. I mean, look at the lineup that the Padres rolled out last year. Sure. We thought that they would be a, 
a phenomenal team, and then they just kind of fell short. Same with the, what the Yankees did. I think the Yankees and Padres were almost mirror images, AL and L last year. So, yeah. talk to me about Drew Thorpe. I know you're a big Thorpe guy. How do you feel yeah. about him in this trade? It's funny we we got him in in that Odenew league, and we kind of got him as almost a throw-in, and then mm-hmm. I did some more research on him, and I was. Very pleasantly surprised. I mean, uh, 13.05K per nine. I mean, that's crazy what he did in double A last year. He's obviously a young guy. He's, you know, 23 years old for a pitcher, but he's a, he's a lefty. Or sorry, he's a righty. I mean, um, yeah, he had under one home run per nine. He, uh, he just a lot of the metrics that you look at this guy, he had a 1.48 ERA. You know, ex-FIP of 1.82. I wouldn't be surprised if he came up sometime this year with what the Padres' rotation looks like. I don't think it's going to be to start the season. But, you know, the Padres got some rotation spots they need to fill. They also have another good pitcher in Robbie Snelling. So, um, I I see both Thorpe and Snelling kind of being the future of that rotation. I personally think they'll roll out Thorpe sooner than later. They're rolling out Randy Vasquez in their five spot right now, who has 10 career innings. And Drew Thorpe pitched 139 last year. He's kind of just better built for it. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I and I, what I said earlier, the double A to MLB jump isn't that uncommon to see. We saw a lot of guys last year do that. I mean, we saw guys like Andrew Abbott do it, and we saw. Um, what did Yuri Perez do it? So mm-hmm. a lot of guys do that, you know. I think what's really impressive about Thorpe is his 182 strikeouts to 38 walks last year. Mm-hmm. 182 his, his paper in, walk. in 140 innings is is a little nice thing to see when you're looking at young pitchers. And then, like you said, Petco Park is is a place where he can really succeed, especially with that. Lineup's still good for run support. So I no, I, like I think it would be in the Padres' best interest to get him up sooner than later. Maybe a June call-up. I would like to see May, but June might be after, more realistic. After the all-star break kind of thing, I could see. Yeah. Yeah, we saw a couple pitchers like that get called up last year. You know, Tanner Bybee being one of those. He got called up kind of midsummer. Um, Andrew Abbott was a guy, Yuri Perez, Taj Bradley. There was a lot of call-ups last year. And with the MLB incentives, I think we're going to see a lot more of these younger guys get called up. But I think it all depends on the competitiveness of the team. I don't think the Padres are a team that think that they're out of it. So unlike the Nationals and how we talked about James Wood, I think that, yeah, it's going to be in the best interest for the Padres to compete and bring up a high upside young pitcher. We kind of glaze past Michael King. So tell me how you feel about Michael King this year for them. Yeah, no, I, I like Michael King as well. Um, Going to be a spark in any fantasy league you play, but um, he made that transition over from um, the bullpen to starting rotation and had a pretty good stretch as a starting pitcher, you know. Um, was a guy that we saw get a lot of strikeouts. You know, and that's always encouraging to see. Um, 
I guess one thing I'm going to be interested to see is how much they can stretch him out. I mean, he pitched 104 innings last season, and that's his high. That's as high as he's pitched, you know. Um, and it's not uncommon to see guys go from the bullpen to starting rotation. We've seen some really, really good pitchers do that. Corbin Burns being, you know, do I think Michael King is Corbin Burns? Not at this moment, no. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. And he's going to be one of their better pitchers. He's is he the two in their rotation after you, Darvish and Joe Musgrove? So, three, so probably their three. Yeah, he's not a bad three to have, but like you said, the concerns with getting him stretched out and seeing if he can repeat what he was doing in New York with a better ballpark, the number should be better. You would imagine, yeah. And he only what did it for about a month last year, starting wise, so Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Nine games he started, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, free agent. He signed with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks on a four-year contract for $80 million. Had some mutual options there um, in 2028. But Erod, I had a good season last year. How are we feeling about him going over to the Diamondbacks? Good, good, boring guy. I mean, he's someone that I'm not going to be mad if he's on my team, but won't be mad if he's somewhere else too. As far as Arizona in real life, I think it's good for them. Uh, They have a good ballpark, just like when he was in Detroit. So I think he can have a good repeat year. Um, You know, one thing I like about him, though, from this move, and we don't have to spend too much time on Erod, but... I love Brent Strom, their pitching coach. He was the pitching coach for the Astros for several years, and he turned guys like Garrett Cole around, um, Joe Musgrove. And um, when Verlander came there in that trade, like Brent Strom knows how to work with pitchers. We saw um, kind of change Brandon Fott, you know, towards the end of the season and and tweaked with him. And, I mean, we saw what that did in the postseason. So Brent Strom knows how to work with pitchers, and if Erod – has anything he can improve? I think Brent Strom's going to see that and improve that. Yeah. Yeah. Old uh, Craig Kimbrell, reliever. <laughs> One-year deal with the uh, Baltimore Orioles. He's going to be their closer. Uh, Felix Bautista's out for the season. He got some TJ. Though there were a couple reports I saw that he wants to pitch this season towards the end. And... We'll see how that goes, but Craig Kimbrell, if you asked a Philly fan, they didn't want him back, so, you know. I think, at best, it's an improvement for the ballpark. Um, Great, great lineup, great ballpark to be in. If he can just limit the hard hits, he could be a very, very good closer for fantasy. But it's if it's a big if because he's had stretches like this where people pick him up off the waiver or draft him late and he gets them a good amount of saves. And then it becomes a toss up with him and someone like Alvarado for the Phillies, where when Kimbrell becomes unreliable, they might go to someone else. Yeah. When. Yanir Cano, is he he still hurt, or is he fine? Because I 
He could sneak. He's in good. There. Yeah, Yanir Cano. Um, he got saves last there. year. He did. So I could see it being a situation where if Kimber really struggles, then you know they can go to a guy like Cano. But Cano had a bad stretch too last season. So it's mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting bullpen. Um, like I said, I don't really think we'll really see much of Felix Bautista at all. So I think the the Baltimore Orioles are seeing that Kimbrell is going to be their guy this season. Yeah, I I think for the upside, you can you could look at him as a top ten closer to grab in fantasy on the upside. You're talking about some high upside. I like a lot of closers this season. I mean, most teams have a solidified closer. Just just with that team and that ballpark. Yeah. That's that's the highest of high upsides. I don't personally believe it. Um okay. but he's he's not someone I'm necessarily not targeting in drafts. Sure. Jamie Candelario. Um he signed to the Reds. I know when I first heard this news, I was a little disappointed because I like a lot of the infielders um in the Reds lineup. I like Christian Cardassi and Strand. And Jamer Candelario makes it a little bit difficult this season to um, roster a guy like that, but he was solid last year. I mean, with uh, you know, with with the Nationals, he batted pretty good. He you know hit twenty two home runs. He was about a two fifty average guy. He even stole eight bases. Weirdly enough, so um, sorry. Did I say the Nationals? He was with the Cubs. Um, yeah, he was a solid player. So, Jamer Candelario in Great American Small Park. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting to have a pretty decent season. He's going to get probably every day at bats. Yeah, he could be another one of those cases like Nick Castellanos. As, as soon as he leaves um, Detroit, he's going to be better. <laughs> that ballpark's hard to hit in. Went to the Reds and the Cubs and the Nationals. He's been bounced around a little bit, yep. but but I expect a good year out of him too. It just it is a bummer. I was just really looking forward to seeing Encarnacion Strand every day, and this puts a little bit of a spanner in the works. But we'll still we'll still see him, just not maybe not as frequently as we hoped. You know, and and Candelario is projected about fourth in that lineup. And that's a fun lineup. We'll get to it, but like, it's a fun lineup. I like it. I think he adds a, a little bit of a veteran presence to what's essentially a team of a lot of rookies. So, I mean, and Kendall is not old by any means. He's 30 years old. So he's not like, you know, 35. He's not in his mid-30s, but he still has uh, what I think could provide a lot of um, stability to a, a young lineup that could fluctuate. Have we... I haven't seen a picture of this, but have you seen a picture of Encarnacion Strand's name on the new jersey? I haven't got to see that yet and how it fits. I saw Simeon Woods Richardson, and they yeah. fit it on there. They yeah, fit they it do. on there, but I want to see CES. Yeah, I, that's going to be interesting to see. That's a whole other topic, these new jerseys, and just it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> What about this one? Tyler O'Neill um, got traded to the Red Sox um, for Nick Robertson um, and Victor Santos back to the Cardinals. But uh, Tyler O'Neill, one of these guys that you know has insane power, insane speed, he's a good fielder. His problem is he just can't stay healthy. 
Now he goes over to Boston. The Green Monster, short porch, but, you know, high wall in the Green Monster. I don't know. I kind of like that for the Red Sox. I like it, too. I think definitely because, obviously, the injuries, he came at a big discount. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if he could stay healthy, it'd be a very good addition. Um, now, he might only see a month of production from him, but when he's on the field... Tyler O'Neill's kind of a, a freak. I mean, you've Have seen, seen pictures. Have you seen yes. pictures of that man? Uh, I'm sure oh he gets. God. I'm sure he gets steroid tested frequently. <laughs> that man has pythons. My if he's God. not hitting it over the green monster into the street every day, what are we doing? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I like it for the Red Sox, though. Yeah, I think I think it's a fine move for them. Um, here's. The one that we've all been waiting for. This is the one that I had been holding my breath all offseason. I was like, this team's interested in him. This team's interested in him. I was like, just sign him. Just sign him. Of course, that's Shohei Otani, the best player to ever grace the field. I'm like uh, Ben Verlander. I I, I I love Shohei Otani. I mean, you know Newly this. married Shohei Otani. Okay, that was the way. <laughs> Speaking of news for Shohei, yeah, just posted a a screenshot that says he's married with the dog in the picture. And it was just a very interesting little tweet that came out or post that came out today, but signed on one of the biggest, the biggest contract in baseball history, 10 year yeah. uh, contract for $700 million. The weird part of it, it got a lot of uh, feedback on Twitter, but he's going to make $2 million per year, 2024 to 33. And he deferred the rest of his contract um, from uh, 2034 to 43, and he's going to get 68 million per year in that span. So the Dodgers kind of playing some money games there, and I mean they get the best player in the league. I mean, and they've they've done nothing else but sign more people since this contract extension. So it seems to be working. I mean, he's already hit a home run in uh, in spring training. Um, I, I think the biggest thing less. You know, and the big worry with Shohei, obviously, is his elbow procedure that he got this past mm -hmm. offseason. There was some, you know, worry about how severe it would be and if he would be re returning to hitting this soon. And, I mean, he's already in spring training games. He's already hitting. I, I don't have a worry about Shohei Otani. I, I think I said this on another podcast, but I think the Dodgers are going to play it safe on the base pass with him. Um to prevent injury, you know, I don't think they want their their multi-million dollar man to get injured stealing. Um, so I could see his stolen bases being down a little bit this year, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see 50-plus home runs. Those counting stats will be ridiculous. He's batting two yeah. in that lineup? Yeah. yeah. I'm not worried about Shohei. He gets all the money. He gets a wife. Good for him. Congrats, think, Dodgers. Yeah, congrats. I like you. You got the best player. You got him locked up. I mean, God, their their rotation is going to be so filthy next year. It's, it's going to be now. It's filthy now. And just to think that you're adding Shohei to that next season. Um, not to say too much more on Shohei. I mean, what more can you say about the guy? But I think him not pitching this season. Um. I think it's fine for his value in fantasy because 
you're getting him just as a hitter. You don't have to worry about swapping him between pitcher and hitter and, and worrying about him getting fatigued. So, yeah, I, I think you're seeing a 50-plus home run season from 250-plus counting stats combined. Like, oh, he's going to be so good. He's, he's going to be great. And with those kinds of counting stats, he could – could be like people are drafting him in the 10 spot sometimes in these mock drafts he could definitely mm-hmm. be be going higher than that yeah and i think you know just clogging up your util spot that early in a lot of yeah. these roto leagues is is hard um next guy the world series three peter uh will smith uh, just won it with the texas rangers last season now goes on a one-year contract only for five million um, probably rightfully so, to the Kansas City Royals. Um, I think it's a fine move for the Royals. I think he's going to be their closer. Um, yeah, I you think if pro- we... You could probably lump in the next guy that we have like with this discussion. Heck, there's a there's a couple guys, actually, I'm seeing. Uh, Seth Kansas Lugo. City. Yeah, mm-hmm. Seth Lugo, they also signed Kansas City. Um, they also signed... Michael Walker, Walker Flock of Flame. They signed him on a two-year, $32 million contract, as well as a power-hitting outfielder and doppelganger of Mike Trout, Hunter Renfro. Uh, they signed him on a two-year contract as well. So Kansas City making some moves. You know, I, I kind of like what they're doing. They're not getting these flashy guys, but they're getting guys. Yeah, a lot of these picks are are fine. Like you said, Will Smith three-peated. I don't necessarily see the Royals being in the World Series, so I don't know about the four Vinny P, baby! They got (laughs) But, yeah, Seth Lugo and and Michael Walker, they've been fine these past few years. I think think it helps them, especially since their young pitchers that they've been calling up haven't been helping that much. Yeah, they, they don't so develop they, that well. No. They need the stability there. You can only score so many runs and not get wins, but I, th- I think it helps them. They, they've made fine moves this offseason, the Royals. Yeah, and I like it. And um, I will say this as a betting man if Will Smith gets traded mid-season to a contending type team put some money on that like <laughs> like he's won three in a row he got traded like I, he's only there for one year five million so like that's not gonna eat another team's salary too much so get grabbed back by the braves yeah i could see make it. another run i could see the astros getting them and getting another lefty in that bullpen as well Maybe that's just me being selfish and saying that that team <laughs> that gets them will win the World Series anymore. They don't. They got Brian <laughs> Abreu, Ryan Presley, and Josh Hader. They're fine. Yeah. Um, Ho Lee. Speaking of some more international guys, we got Ho Lee signs on a six-year, one hundred thirteen million dollar contract with the Giants. Giants haven't really done too much this season. This has been one of their bigger acquisitions um, that they've had. Um, Jungle Lee coming over from Japan, right? And uh, more of a contact hitter. KBO. KBO. Yeah. Uh, I'll start a guy down the list, but. Yeah. Jungle Lee, he hit a home run today. 
I saw that. He had one of the highest exit velocities of all the spring training games. You want to know a fun fact about this home run? What's that? It would have been a home run in every ballpark but San Francisco. Of course. San Francisco is one of the worst ballparks to hit in, so. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I think from a points league perspective, Jung-Ho Lee's value is up. Um, I actually got him in a mock I did last night. I was able to pair him as an average guy with someone like John Carlos Stanton. So from a Roto perspective, I think he's a good pairing piece. He's going to lead off in that lineup. So he's going to get you some good runs. He's going to hurt you in RBIs. But, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, I think he's an okay fourth, fifth outfielder to get going kind of late in draft. So, you know, you could pick him up and kind of take a flyer on Jung Ho Lee. I think he'll be better than that, personally. Got a low, low K rate. Never batted below 300. Granted, that is the KBO, and he hasn't seen major league arms. Sure. But but batting leadoff, if, if he can carry that over, I think he'll be, especially in points league, like you said, but I think he can be a good third outfielder, maybe not even necessarily a four or five. So if you take him expecting him to be your fifth outfielder, I think that's right. a great deal. That's what I'm saying. And he's going like in the value really. of a fourth, fifth outfielder in, in most drafts. So, hey, all I'm saying, Shane, don't get mm-hmm. too excited on some international outfielders. Uh, a couple years ago, you'll know that uh, I was really big into Shogo Akiyama. And um, I couldn't tell you where that man's playing these days. <laughs> and he was right. a, a guy that had similar tools to uh, to Jung O'Lee. Lee. was kind of an average guy, had some speed, and was a decent outfielder. So, but no, I, I do think Jungo Lee's better than Shogo Akiyama. I, I agree with that. Here's a fun one I just wanted to put in. Rowdy Telez goes to the Pirates. Do you yeah. buy the bounce back? I buy the more mic'd up moments. They put out a 14-minute <laughs> highlight reel of him being I, mic'd I up in spring training. He's just a fun guy. And I, I yeah. you know, he's going to be... I'm not mad healthy. at it. No, I you know he's he's gonna be all right. He's gonna hit some power. He's you know a guy in deep leagues that you can get as a corner out or a corner infielder. Or a yeah, don't tilt. stick him in the outfield. Uh, only if you're playing MLB the Show games, you're doing out of position games. He's the yeah. funnest person to put in center field. <laughs> <laughs> Not particularly. Um, yeah. Next one, we had a pretty big trade go on. Tyler Glass now and Manuel Margot trade to the Dodgers. For Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca. Um, just after this happened to Tyler Glasnow, he agreed to a five-year contract with the Dodgers for $136.5 million, um, locking him up until uh, 27 with a 28-player option. Um, and then Manuel Margot later got traded to Minnesota uh, just a couple days ago. So Tyler Glasnow, I mean, the thing with Glasnow, everyone knows it. He's one of the best pitchers per pitch when he pitches and the big part of that sense is when he pitches because mm-hmm. i mean he's he's up there with strider and per pitch stuff but he just can't stay healthy so how we like him this season on the dodgers i mean obviously i love tyler glass now he's i think he was the very first pitcher i ever drafted in fantasy so I still have a soft spot for Tyler Glass. But yeah, I mean, the guy's got elite ratios. He was Spencer Strider before Spencer Strider was a thing. He just cannot stay healthy. 
Um, but I don't have the option of getting him in our keeper league, but in a redraft league, he's someone I might draft before other people do. Yep. The Dodgers tend to find a way to keep people around. Well, I say that, and then Dustin May. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton yeah. Kershaw. Oh, no. I mean, obviously, I love Glass now, but he he just needs to stay on the field to be the elite pitcher we know he can be. Well, and one news that came out, too, in this offseason was that the Dodgers plan to go with a six-man rotation. Um, I'm just going to skip ahead to to the big guy that they got, Yoshin, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, talk about a guy that impressed uh, overseas. I mean, he won the equivalent of what the Cy Young and the MVP in Japan. Um, they signed him to a 12-year contract for $325 million. Mm-hmm. They talk about Shohei and Yamamoto being the billion-dollar duo. I mean... I mean, you just think about it. Yamamoto, Glass, now in that in that rotation, that's filthy. Yeah, and Yamamoto definitely impressed the other day. He pitched against the World Series champs, Rangers, two innings. Was it four or five strikeouts? I don't have that up. He only threw nineteen pitches. He only needed that. Yeah. So yeah. he he looked very impressive. Um, Struck out Marcus Simeon on three pitches yeah. to lead off his first outing. He's he's going to be very good. And he's only 25. Dang, he's going to be so good. <laughs> and we're not going to we're not getting him in our keeper league. He's going probably number one um, after right. the keepers are set. So um, one thing I kind of wanted to go back home with that Tyler Glass now trade. Ryan Pepio, kind of an impressive guy. I mean. The Dodgers kind of, you know, he came out and, and impressed with the Dodgers, and now he's going over to the Tampa Bay Rays, who talk about another organization that knows how to build pitching is the Tampa Bay Rays. So Ryan Pepio is going to be in that rotation this season. Um, he's 26 years old. I think he's got a good shot at being a top 30 pitcher. Yeah, I I like Ryan Pepio a little more now that I've got to see him longer. He's not mm-hmm. really someone I paid attention to a couple years back, um, but he made a couple starts back in 2022. But last year, he got a longer look with the Dodgers and and kind of fixed his walk problem. Now, that came at the detriment to his strikeout rate, which was insane in the minors. Yeah. Um, but you kind of got to raise an eyebrow anytime the Rays get someone cuz they know how to they know how to turn no-name pitchers into great pitchers and Pepe's got they, pedigree. Look what they did to Savali last year. It's a guy we're both out on and probably will be out on. Um but yeah, I, I agree. I I think that he's he's a good guy. He's a, he's also spark eligible too for people that play in leagues like that, but yeah, I like him. Um, we move past to, I'm just going to mention this one and we can move on. I said it. Cool. Martin Perez. He goes to Pittsburgh, Texas guy. Yeah. Sorry, Ooh. Martin. <laughs> hey, he won me a fantasy championship. I don't want to hear it. Martin Perez is clutch. <laughs> you can say what you want. 
I'm going to kind of just rattle off some guys. You stop me when you hear one that's that's worth talking about. I know we're kind of getting close to an hour on time. We'll go a little bit longer. It's our first episode. So we got a bunch to talk about, you know. Um, Loudris, as I call him, Lourdes Gurriel, goes to Arizona, a three-year contract for $42 million. I think he's going to play an everyday role there. Going back. I think it's good for them. Cool. Uh, Yuki Matsui. He goes to San Diego Padres. Uh, he gets a five-year uh, contract. He's a shorter lefty pitcher. Um, was one of the best closers overseas. Um, you like Yuki Matsui? You think he's going to be the closer over there? I like Yuki Matsui. I don't know necessarily why you bring him over when he's got that kind of pedigree of being a closer without really wanting him to be the closer is it just because he's a lefty i don't know but i watched him pitch the other day and he looked very impressive i'm i'm in on yuki matsui i think he wins the role at some point and doesn't look bad you mean compared to the guy Wu suck go yes i mean for name for for name value alone i might just pick up Wu suck go you go for it. I will Wusuk go for it. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell, Mr. tell me tell me more about Wusuk go. Compare why why would you want him? No, I don't. I, I I'd rather have Yuki oh. Matsuya. I just like the name. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um Mitch Garver um getting traded over or not traded over, but he was a free agent. Um gets picked up by the Seattle Mariners on a two year contract, twenty four million dollars. Probably going to serve as their everyday DH um, while Kyle rallies behind the plate. So hopefully it opens up some more everyday batting for him and keeps him healthy on the field. I mean, he's one of the bigger power catchers and actually hits very good when he when he plays. So I think yeah. it was good for the Mariners. Yeah, I like that they're keeping him in a DH role. Obviously, he struggled with health. A lot yeah. of these guys have struggled with health that got traded around this offseason. But when he was in there at the end of the year for the Rangers, he's mashing. Consistent, yeah. All the time. I like it. What, one of your favorite pitchers, Shane, you took him um, this past season in our league um, in the draft when he was out there in the first round after keeper set. Uh, Lucas Giolito goes over to Boston. Talk about a guy that. I don't even know how to evaluate. It's one of these guys that's like, I always see that he's changing and working on stuff and, you know, goes to driveline, but I don't know. I think I'm kind of out on Lucas Giolito this year, and he is going just late in drafts. It, I think it's the ERA that's scaring everyone. 4-9 and 4-8-8 in the last two years. Besides that three-year run from 2019 to 2021, he's always kind of struggled in the ERA department. Part of me still likes Giolito. I think you can get him for a good discount, yeah. I I think he's one of those guys, like another guy, I think we'll talk about in a second, that I just don't want to get burned by again in fantasy. Oh, bring him up. Bring him up, Shane. Who are we talking about? Frankie Montas. I can't. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many matchups I lost purely because of Frankie Montas deciding to have a blow up start. He's only good on other people's teams. So 
I kind of like, like, I might not be buying too much in on Frankie Montas on a lot of my teams, but I can see the value in Frankie Montas. I, I, I do too. I think he's got good stuff. I don't dislike Frankie Montas. I just dislike him on my fantasy team. I mean, they gave him $16 million. And like, that's, nothing, that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. He's going to be a spark. Um, yeah. So I think that's got good value, and the Reds have a good lineup. It's just mm-hmm. bad ballpark. Yep. But he's he's looked good so far in spring training, so he's just not someone I'm going to touch. Him and Giolito there. They're just going to be guys for someone else this year. And, of course, they'll probably be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, next trade that happened, um, I think it's a big trade for both teams. Chris Sale. And $17 million go with them over to the Braves. Um, and the Red Sox get Vaughn Grissom. So the Braves get another starter um, with some high strikeouts, some pedigree in Chris Sale. And the Red Sox get a middle infielder, a guy that's probably going to play every day second base for them. They're sticking Vaughn at second for sure. And I would assume. Story back to short. I'm yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what uh, roster resource says is that oh, Vaughn okay. is going to play second. Yeah. Um. Okay, so for the Chris Sale part of it, um, another one of those pitchers where when he's healthy, he's going to be one of the best pitchers you see out there. Yeah. Um, and the Braves, the rich just get richer. You know, they yeah, they get they money find, with it. They find a way. To get these guys on great deals in the last few years, and Chris Sale's no exception to that. They get no. someone who's a top top pitcher, and seventeen million traded to the Braves. I mean, Von Grissom. I think he adds value to the Red Sox. They obviously need a more consistent lineup. They let some people go, like. Earlier we said Verdugo's gone now. I mean, different position, but you got to replace the bat in the lineup. So I think Grissom can help when it comes to steals and maybe some batting average. Um, Boston's where he hit his first MLB home run, so maybe he can recapture some power there. Who knows? Yeah, now I'll add on to Chris Sale, too. I mean, looked pretty good in the spring training um, outing. He was sitting 95, and he was touching 97 early on, which is good for his velo. I mean, um, that's that's up there for him. He had a 64% whiff rate. Um, so, I, I don't know. He, he's I mean, he's a guy. He's going to get strikeouts. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a really good piece, I think. So He'll, he'll be a guy that gets, gets moved up our draft board for the Braves fan. So, in our league. Well, he's a keeper. He's a keeper. Oh, yes. I yes. traded him. I traded him this offseason, so I, I think that could work out. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I talked about Wusako. Uh Robbie Ray got traded to the Giants. Um, Mitch Hanniger gets to go back and with Anthony DeSclafani, who later gets traded to Minnesota. But, yeah, reunion in, in, in Seattle with Mitch Hanniger. If he can stay healthy and not take pitches to the groin and um, – Robbie Ray, he's going to be coming off TJ. He's a former Cy Young winner. Um, I think this is good for both teams. I think Robbie Ray is going to fit really well in um, in, in uh, San Francisco. So yep. I, I like the move for both. Yeah, Robbie's uh, one of those pitchers slash any player that's starting on the IL that 
I want to draft and stash on my IL and then pick up someone off the waiver to fill the spot until he can come back. He's yeah. He's definitely an interesting guy. If he can recapture what he was doing in Seattle, then I think he'll be a great addition for the Giants. Yep. Uh, on 193, 189 innings the two prior years. And um, in Toronto, you know, won a Cy Young. Another trade that happened that involved the Mariners, Jose Cabanero. Uh, gets traded to the Rays, and the Mariners get Luke Rayleigh in return. Uh, it's okay. It's it's okay. It's one of those trades that it's <clears throat> it's fine. For deeper leagues, I think. Well, we'll talk about. I'll just bring this up now. But Ahmed Rosario gets uh, picked up by the Rays. So, um, Cabanero was a guy that you could look at for maybe some late steals in a roto league. That's going to be a little bit questionable and junior Kevin Yero, it might hurt his playing time. It hurts just a bunch of the prospects with that. On the other side, Luke Rayleigh, I think he's a good late value um, in some roto leagues. I, I don't want anything to do with him in a points league. His strikeout rate is not something I want to touch with, but I mean, he's a guy that can get you 20, 20 um, in, in that lineup, you know, and the strikeouts are going to hurt you in a roto league. So as a late outfield first base type, I think Luke Rayleigh's fine in a in a format like that. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add to those guys. Yeah, Sean Mania, This is one we kind of move past, but um, the Mets number three guy now at this point. Um, he goes to the Mets on a two year contract for twenty eight million. A guy that I think we were both really high on a couple years ago, Sean Mania, when he was with the A's. Yeah. And He's then, had a couple a couple bright spots here and there. Well, more so last year than two years ago. But uh, I don't think he's going to be very great for the Mets. No. Uh, Shoto Ibanaga, um, just another one of these international guys coming over. Um, goes over to the Chicago Cubs. He goes on there on a four-year contract, $53 million. Um, a little bit of an older pitcher. He's coming over from Japan. Um, he's 30 years old. He's a lefty. A uh, little bit more of a uh, home run prone guy, but can provide you some good numbers. How, you, how are you feeling about Shoto? Uh, I think he's projected pretty low, so I think he's a great value for where he's going in drafts. He's going to be one of those guys that can give you those strikeouts in the middle of the draft. One of those globby type pitchers. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Cubs, you know, they have a pretty good lineup for, for run support. I think if he can keep the home runs under control and, and throw strikes, he can be a good value. Yeah. Uh, his ATC projections on fan graphs, which is the most average of all the, the projection metrics have them at about 150 strikeouts. Um, just under a four ERA. Uh, so with 145 innings projected. So I don't know. I think, I think he can maybe go ahead uh, of 145 innings. He's, he's one low. of those guys. I, I might comp him to like a Nick Pavetta type. If you like Nick Pavetta. Okay. Strikeout guy. I'm sure. Going to find him in the middle of drafts. What about this next guy, Shane? Marcus Stroman goes over to the Yankees on a two-year contract. 
I think you skipped past the guy before Imanaga, though. Oh, yeah, yeah I did. I did. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, he goes over to the Dodgers. A one-year, $23.5 million contract for one year. It's pretty uh, good. It's pretty good. He's uh, going to be taking a corner outfield spot and uh, going to be in a good lineup. His counting – talk about a guy that you could put in the outfield – as a third outfielder, I've been actually seeing him climb up a lot in my uh, drafts that I've been doing. Um, but yeah, Teoscar Hernandez, how do you how do you feel about him going over the Dodgers? I feel somehow he's underrated, and maybe that's from how he's produced the last couple years. He hasn't had the flashy numbers that we were so used to seeing from him, but in that lineup. I think he can get back to that. I think a third outfielder is a great value for Teoscar Hernandez. Only a one-year contract, so you know he's going to be playing up. Obviously, the Dodgers want to make that big push, and I think he'll contribute to that and give them a shot to make a run for the World Series. I like Teoscar more this year than I have the last few years. Yeah, I was just trying to see where he went. He went in the eighth round of my uh, TGFBI draft in the middle of the eighth round. So that's a fifteen teamer, right? It's a fifteen teamer. So that's but I think eighth round. Yeah, no, for a guy that's going to give you probably over two hundred counting stats combined, you know. So I like the Oscar. And uh, yeah, next we had a uh, yeah the Marcus Stroman to the Yankees. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't know what much more to say. I'm not a Marcus Stroman. Stroman I, fan. He he just does it though, doesn't he? I he mean, does. can't. I don't think I can just gloss past him. But my gripe I've had over the last few years is I feel like when pitchers get moved to the Yankees, for some reason they start doing worse, or when they leave the Yankees, they start doing better. That's not always the case. Um, but I mean, last year. I can't really use Rodon as the example because Rodon was hurt. Right. But um, I don't know. I think I think Stroman's going to be fine. Um, a bit worse of a ballpark that he's used to pitching at, but a good lineup to help support him. And I, one thing I'll say about Stroman too, like his ERA is fine. Like he got still under a four ERA last year, and he's done that the last several years. Um, he's got a great ground ball rate and that's that's good for being at yankee stadium 57 percent ground ball rate last year but his k percentage just his k per nine is just not <laughs> good not, not gonna help you there but no. he'll he might be able to give you some more innings this year i mean I if you look at the last two years he did 136 138 i mean we've seen him the last several years prior to that 179 84 yeah he's done 200 a couple times it's just you know what what age season is this for him his 32 season gonna be 33 at some point he's a smaller guy i mean he's gonna have some good run support behind him so i think that ground ball rate's really what's gonna have to propel him and it has you know, it's 57%, but if it drops maybe below 50, you might see him struggle more. But he's, as long as he can keep that up, which for his career, it's been above 50% his whole career. So I would yep. expect him to keep that up. 
Next guy, um, Jordan Hicks, goes over to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, a reliever. Going to be thrown into the starting rotation over there. Um, he's a guy that's had some good metrics around him, but... Throws hard. He throws hard. Jordan Hicks throws hard. Yeah. That's what I got to say about it. But, him. you know, they gave him a four-year contract for $44 million. I thought it was an interesting deal. I don't see too much value in him. Um, he's going to be a SPARP, so take that for what it's worth in, in leagues where you can throw him in an RP spot and get some starts. I don't see him going that long of innings, though. I see him going maybe five, maybe six innings every start. So that's my worry with him, and then obviously his injury history. We can uh, we can group a few of these relief pitchers together. We got a whole other page to go. So we do. You, you well, can talk I, about Hater. Yeah, and we'll group a couple of these guys together. I'll let I'll let you talk about Hater. He's a as a Houston fan. How yeah, do you feel no. about Hater? Oh, I absolutely love him. There there's a bunch of uh, I mean, I feel like Hater's been around for a while. He's only twenty nine years. He he's not even thirty yet, and he's one of the best. Closers. I think. I think he's. We did a, a mock draft last night, and I did something I never do and take a closer early on. And I was between Devin Williams, Edwin Diaz, and Josh Hader. And I said, I'm going to go with Josh Hader because, um, just a good team. I think he's going to have maybe more chances. I think that maybe the downside is that they blow out teams too much, to where he might not get some save opportunities. But, um. Just his K per nine, like he's one of the best strikeout guys. Um, I'm not worried about Ryan Presley or Abreu taking any saves from him. Um, the only time I see them getting that is maybe on a rest day for Hater if they've used him too many times in a row. But um, he dropped his his home run to fly ball rate last year, like in in it was 15.1. He dropped it to 5.8, like. And that's the and that's an issue at, at Houston with that short left field porch and the Crawford boxes. And so if he can keep that up um, with his strikeout rate, um, I, he's just going to be a an amazing asset. And he got the biggest contract for a closer, and I think he deserves it. I, I would agree with you. I hate seeing him go to the Strohs as a resident Ranger fan, but I mean he's he's good. I like I love him for fantasy. Won't be able to draft him in our dynasty, but another guy I traded <laughs> to be a keeper on another team. So yeah, so a couple uh, yeah. of these guys I wanted to group together. Robert Stevenson signed with the Angels, came mm-hmm. over from the Rays, I believe. Mm-hmm. Signed a three-year contract for thirty-three million. Uh, Chapman. Oh, he's already hurt. Chapman went to the Pirates on a one-year deal for ten point five million. Yep. Uh, Hector Hector Neris to the Cubs on a one-year contract for nine million. Tell me about how you feel about those guys. Uh, yeah, there's reports Robert Stevenson um, might start the season on the IR. He's got some uh, shoulder issues or IL. Sorry, I'm coming from football still. Um, but yeah, so I think if he was healthy. I think he's better than Carlos Estevez. So um, he was a guy in a lot of my earlier mocks before hearing about the shoulder news, I was taking as a potential saves option for a bad team um, that I could get later and cheap. Um, Aroldis Chapman, I think it's similar to what happened last year in Kansas City. He just kind of went there. He's going to be kind of a setup man to Bednar. 
Um, I think it does put a shorter leash on Bednar if he messes up for a little bit because Chapman was effective last year, except for the postseason. Um, naturally, <laughs> naturally, and then Hector Neris is interesting. I could see him being in a somewhat of a committee um, with Alzale over there. I mean, he was really good with the Astros. Hector Neris has, has put up some good ratios and whatnot. He's a uh, a guy that's going to be able to get you some strikeouts as well. Uh, I like him in leagues to where you can get some holds maybe. So Hector Neris is a, a late flyer, maybe hold down some of your ratios kind of guy. Another guy I left off that list, uh, Liam Hendricks to Boston for two years, $10 million with a 2026 mutual option. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to pitch this season. Um, I think it gives room for the Red Sox if they're out of it to trade Kenley Jansen. Um, mm-hmm. There are some rumors, Tim even brought it up, of like a reunion for Kenley Jansen to go back to the Dodgers and the Red Sox still have a closer for the next year in Liam Hendricks. So I could see something like that happening. Um, I don't think it means anything for this year, though. All right. We can move past the relievers then. Yeah. Uh, James Paxton to Dodgers, one year, seven million. I think it's rotation depth. James Paxton was actually pretty good last year for when he pitched. Mm-hmm. Older guy, injury history, but I'd be okay with having him as my fifth, sixth pitcher yeah he made a start today in spring training looked pretty good looked yeah looked healthy for now we'll see how how he holds up but i mean can't complain there's another guy that the dodgers signed that's what the shohei deal having the extra money deferred helps get helps grab guys like this pull them in exactly um I put Joey Gallo on there because it's funny, but he actually in in deep leagues might be a guy if you care nothing about your average or have the like a Luis Ariza type and you want some home runs. Sure, I'm not taking him anywhere else. I remember when Joey Gallo was the Rangers' best player. Yeah, the man's fallen off a little bit. Uh, well, I mean. Washington. He'll, he'll yeah. hit home runs. He'll strike out. That's Joey Gallo. Reese Hoskins, though. Um, I kind of like this. Reese Hoskins, um, power hitter. He goes over to the Brewers. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to be their everyday first baseman. You know, they got rid of Rowdy. Not that I think he was going to hold him back, but goes over there on a two-year contract for $34 million. Um, He's a guy I can see hitting 30-plus home runs, and it's not that hard to, to see. Um, yeah, so, yeah. A, sign, a signing like this with Reese Hoskins shows me that, like, when the Brewers are moving pieces like Corbin Burns in the offseason, they they're not totally giving up. They still have yeah. obviously they're signing Churio, they sign Hoskins, they have prospects they believe in. They're not they're not out of competing in the next few years. That's why that's kind of why I wanted you to touch on them earlier. But obviously, we're gonna do a team, you know, summary and talk about the Brewers more in depth. But yeah, I like Reese Hoskins for for the Brewers. Two-year deal. Maybe stick around maybe a little longer if he if he likes it there or feels they got a shot with competing in the next few years. Yeah, and I think um when I did my first base tiers, 
actually had him in my um, the end of my fourth tier. So I mean, he's just behind guys like Nathaniel Lowe, Spencer Steer, Vinny P, and Josh Naylor in that tier. So um, I like him uh, a lot of green when I was doing my graphs on him, and um, yeah, like I said, I think he's gonna get he can get you thirty plus home runs and get you some decent counting stats and you know. Well, since I brought it up, let's just skip down to Corbin Burns' trade, and we'll circle yeah. back to those other guys. Sure. Corbin Burns traded to the Orioles for D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz. Corbin Burns, former Cy Young winner, top three pitcher the last three years, uh-huh. going to a competitive team like the Orioles to be their ace. It helps, especially now that Bradish has gotten hurt, helps – that they had added a pitcher and they got a couple young, exciting guys behind Burns, but Burns kind of being the veteran presence there and, mm-hmm. and feeling solid about having an ACE at that ballpark. Love it for the Orioles. How do you feel about it? I, I think the, the Orioles got a steal. <laughs> they sent over to deal hall who they had already kind of given up on and joy Ortiz, who like he's a fine real life player, but, uh, the Warriors weren't going to use them with how many prospects that they, they had. So it, they sent over two guys that they were high-ish on at one point and just didn't need. And you look at like other teams, like what could have they sent that just a, that's just a little bit better than D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz? Right. Like, a lot of teams, I think, could have gotten Corbin Burns, and I don't know why why it was that deal. So, I mean – like like you said, it's it's kind of a steal. Brewers get Joey Ortiz that they can use. Deal Hall. I mean the the Brewers have done good with with developing pitchers in the last few years. Maybe they can recapture something in Deal Hall. It's the but... control for Deal Hall. He's gonna he's actually projected to be their number five guy. I've seen some clips of him um, from some of the spring training camps and whatnot, and he he looks pretty effective. He was striking out some guys. I mean that was his big thing is that he could get whiffs so i like him for like a late flyer like really deep leagues or in a lonely leagues i think he's a good guy that could have some upside um yeah i like it what's the next one you want to talk about here uh um, we can we can circle back and talk about colt keith getting extended for the tigers yeah another, another one of those guys like i said Earlier, I kind of like what Detroit's building and mm-hmm. Colt Keith. He hasn't got any showtime in the majors yet, but he's going to. They extend him for six years. They yeah. already announced that they're gonna be. He's gonna be the everyday second baseman. So in mm-hmm. fantasy, he'll get that eligibility along with having third base. You like Colt Keith? I know you do. I like Colt Keith. The thing I haven't been able to get Cole Keith in like any of the leagues I do. Um, I really tried getting him in my AL only, and I couldn't even get him there. So, um, no, I I think he's he's a good guy. He's he's going to hit a good average. I mean, he hit two eighty seven in Triple A last year, and then three twenty five in Double A um, for when he played there last year as well. But um, he's going to get on base. He'll provide just some power. He's not the biggest power bat, but he'll provide you double digits and. Get on base, be a guy. His strikeout percentage is, uh, was under 20% in the 67 games he played in AAA last year. So, And he had a, a high walk rate. He had 11.6% walk rate. So, like, he's a guy that's going to get on base and do a job. 
Yeah, I, I think as long as he can keep his on-base percentage up, he'll be a very valuable player. He's not going to help you out in steals, but you know if he can develop some power and keep that OBP up, he'll be a great second-base value to grab in middle late drafts. Here, here's what I'm gonna and, do. We're we're getting a little close on time. I'm gonna just name a couple off. Okay. Um, there's a couple bigger ones towards the end, but uh, Jock Peterson, he goes to Arizona on a one-year contract. I think he's gonna be a good power option there. He takes over the Tommy Pham role. Uh, Jorge Polanco gets traded to the Mariners. He's gonna get their second base job over there in a lineup that kind of needs him to play. He's dealt with injury history, but I think it'll be good for him. Justin Turner, I like this deal for the the Blue Jays. Maybe we can spend a little bit more time on this, but it's a one year contract for thirteen million. He's gonna play um, probably their third base, maybe a little DH. Um, had a good year last year. Justin Turner, I think, is just a solid bat in that lineup. Yeah, definitely an undervalued guy in drafts. Um, gonna be someone that just falls and falls and be like, oh, he's still sitting there. Sure, I'll take him, and you're not gonna be upset about it. And I think it's the age that that makes him drop that that far low. Yeah. Yeah, he just he just produces. Yeah. Carlos Santana goes to Minnesota on a one year contract. I think um, it's a lot of insurance for a lot of injury prone guys that they have there. He'll probably serve in the DH role, but you know they have Kirloff who can get hurt. They have uh, Byron Buxton. You want to talk about a hurt guy? He got you got him that can get hurt. Correa has been dealing with plantar fasciitis, so. They can do a lot of moving around. They got Royce Lewis. I mean, the list goes on for Minnesota. So to get a guy like Carlos Santana, who's kind of a – he'll provide you stats, he'll be in the lineup, and he's kind of a veteran presence as well. Yep. Um, Bobby Witt, contract extension. Uh, Minnesota – or not Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, sorry, we just talked about Minnesota. Kansas City. It's getting Kansas. late. Yeah. Kansas City actually shelling out some money for their young studs. I love to see it. Um, he gets an 11-year contract for $288.7 million. Um, some options in there, but, I mean, Bobby Witt, he's a guy that, you know, if you're playing in a roto, he's going in a top three spot. He almost went 30-50 last year. Uh, Bonafide super stud. Yeah. The, the only thing with the Royals is, like we said earlier, um, they don't necessarily have a bunch of prospects that, are you feel great about they might have to be a team that you know in order to keep i mean obviously they're keeping bobby witt around but in order to keep those other unsigned guys around they might need to start spending some money if they feel like they can compete and they're they signed a few good a good guys like michael walker and lugo if they're you know competing in that division maybe you know, near the trade deadline, they start moving to grab some pieces. If they feel like they can compete with twins and guardians, those are probably the other two, too. I mean, Tigers, too. I mean, if they I feel like see, they can compete. I could see them flipping a lot of the guys that they signed this season if they have good uh, years, like a Will Smith to a, a team that needs a closer, Waka and Lugo. I can see them flipping guys like that to get future pieces that's that's how i see the move i just don't want bobby witt to end up in a situation like mike trout with his career and not getting to see bobby witt in the playoffs would be a tragedy he's a a great player i mean 
I'm I'm fortunate enough in our league to have him and Julio, who are going two and three in a lot of the roto drafts. So um, got them early on and uh, haven't looked back since. Uh, I put it in here. Jose Altuve gets extended. Um, he signed a five-year contract uh, through his 38-year-old season. He's still a top second baseman. I think there's no doubt about that. He's still a top three second baseman in my mind. Um, I'm not counting Mookie. He's still a second baseman. But even then, I think there's Mookie, Ozzy, Simeon, and Altuve is almost a coin flip in my mind. He's a guy that's going to get you, you know, 30 home runs and 20 steals and going to bat high in a lineup, good average, good counting stats. Like, he's 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 a stud. He's a bona fide stud. He's a, he's one of those guys that's like, is he going to get in the Hall of Fame? The trash can scandal? Who knows? I, and I'm saying it as a Rangers fan. I think he probably deserves at least to be in that discussion of Hall of Fame, yeah. regardless of a one-year scandal that I'm – that's a whole different topic is talking about the year 2017 and who was cheating, who was not. But right. to save on time, we'll move past it. Yeah, a couple catcher moves. Um, Gary Sanchez, uh, Milwaukee, for one year, $3 million, And Yasmani Grandal goes to Pittsburgh on a one-year, $2.5 million deal. Gary Sanchez, I see it as a backup catcher. Yasmani Grandal, the biggest implication for fantasy in that one is that it might take longer for Henry Davis to get catcher eligibility. Indy, um, their, their catcher that was supposed to be coming into the season this year got hurt, so it opened up some playing time for Henry Davis. So them getting Yasmani Grandal doesn't scare me, but it I think it delays Henry Davis's catcher eligibility that you can get in fantasy. Henry Davis hit a home run off Corbin Burns today. I know, That's I saw that. I was... I know I'm seeing where I can get them in this TGFBI. Um, Jorge Soler. Um, Giants have not had a 30-plus home run hitter in the last couple seasons, and they get Jorge Soler, who you want to talk about a, a power guy. He's a guy that will hit 30-plus home runs if he stays healthy. Um, so doesn't matter with the ballpark, even for Jorge Soler. They did a, a, a graphic of all of his home runs um, overlaid at all the ballparks and they would be out in all the ballparks. So I think it's yeah. good. He's outfield eligible too. So I 36 think be good. home run season last season. Yep. Yeah. I can see what Merrifield goes to Philly one year contract, 8 million. Uh, I don't know if you saw, he did an interview. He just wants to play with a contending team. He just wants to win. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at roster resource, I don't think he's going to, really get much opportunity if anything i think it's a corner outfield spot um if brandon marsh is hurt then i think he'll take over that spot but as what, of right now which one of those iron man type guys like marcus yeah. simeon where he was playing every game for two yeah. years straight i think he did so yeah. having that extra depth and a guy that can be around like that and yeah. who holds up that's good for philly i think I think so too, and and he, regardless of opportunity, if they had a few people go down last year and they have to shift around positions, I mean, you can never predict for injury. But having a guy like that ready to go, he's a he's a cheap guy. I think you can even get like an NL only. He's going two hundred and fifty. So I mean, he's going two hundred fifty in drafts. And if you want to get a guy like that, he he puts up good points in, in leagues. So like if he if he finds a, a a way to get everyday playing time, I think. 
he's a he's a good steal, like as a last a last pick. Uh, we talked about Liam Hendricks, Brandon Woodruff. We kind of talked about two years. I don't think he pitches this year. There's talks that he might pitch towards the end of the year. I think that depends on where the Brewers are and where he is in his uh, rehab program, but it's more backloaded. So um, I think this is just a push for next year. Talked about Ahmed Rosario going to Tampa Bay for one year. Only 1.5 million is really cheap though, too. So yeah. um, no one else concern. wanted him, I guess. My biggest concern is how it's going to hurt Curtis Mead, how it's going to hurt um, Jonathan Aranda, and how it's going to hurt Junior Caminero. Um, I'm really worried about all three of those guys playing time this season, and I love all three of them, but I don't know how much time they're going to get. And the Rays, the Rays do this. They like to Every cycle year. their. They love to cycle their guys around, but once the player proves it they typically tend to stick around unless you're Wander Franco, I guess. But the leashes are really short, which is the problem. Yeah. But I think a guy like Junior Caminero, he's, I think he'll get more playing time as the season progresses. Curtis Mead and Aranda, Aranda's been up a few times, and for some reason they just choose not to play him. I mean, he's a lefty, and they need a lefty in their lineup. So, I mean, right now he's projected to be their DH. Jonathan Ronda is. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim is not even projected to be in their opening day roster right now, which scares me um, as far as drafting him goes, just because, I mean, mm-hmm. you're seeing him fall down, um, down draft boards because of it. But he's a, guy, he's, he's a power guy, you know, and I'd love to see him play. There's talks about putting him at shortstop. Um, he's a natural third baseman, but you know he's played short in the past. So, um, Tim Anderson, I move past Mitch Keller. He gets an extension. Good for him. He's an all right pitcher. Cool. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mitch Keller. Yeah. Um, Tim Anderson goes on a one-year contract for five million. I think that's a good deal with Miami. His value plummeted this year. My goodness, it did. Yeah, he. I think Miami made sense all along, though. Um, I think what scares me, I kind of brought it up on, on, on a podcast with Tim, was I almost want to drop Miami pitchers a little bit mm-hmm. because of the defense that's going to be behind them. And I compared it to Philly a couple years ago because, I mean, you have Jake Berger playing third base, Tim Anderson at short, uh, Luis Arise at second and Josh Bell at first. Like that's not a good defense. Yeah, you. I mean, you can knock them a little bit for that, but I'm that Philly year was also a good Arenola year. So you know, sometimes it factors in. Um, yeah, I guess it depends on the pitcher if they're going to be a ground ball pitcher or not. You kind of yeah. got to look at that. I feel like Miami's been good at developing pitchers mm-hmm. and being able to suppress contact. But with that infield, it might affect them. But was, as far as, as far as Tim Anderson goes, he's a guy I drafted pretty early last year because Shame. I needed a shortstop. What? He's going 356. People are scared. Three. He's going for Shane. He's not being drafted at 356. People are, I mean, he's a, wow. I think he's a good waiver wire flyer or, wow. or last few picks in the draft. That's and, wild. And you hope for a bounce back. 
I don't I, I don't know. I haven't totally given up on Tim Anderson, but he, I'm not reaching for him in the third round like I did last year. Yeah. All right, last one we'll talk on. Uh, Cody Bellinger. One of the Scott Boris guys finally freaking signed. Like now we're just waiting on Snell and Montgomery basically as the last other ones along with like JD Martinez. But Cody Bellinger goes to the Cubs, three-year contract, 80 million, not what he was expecting. Um, but yeah, Cody Bellinger back to the Cubs, had a resurgent year, you know, last year in, in Chicago. And so are you are you bought back into Cody Bellinger? I'm not fully bought back in. I mean, he had a great year last year, but we've seen with the Dodgers when he was with them in the last few years, we saw him have that fall. Um, So I kind of want to see him prove it a little bit more. I mean, you can prove it over the course of the year like he did last year. He was great. Um. But I, I'm just not totally bought back in yet, and I probably should be. He had, yeah. he had the stats you want to see. He's staying with the same team, so he knows the guys around him. Um, I think the Cubs got better in the off season, so I, I, I probably should be more invested in him than I am. I mean, and he cut his strikeout percentage almost in half. From 27 yeah. and 26 that was a big issue to 15.6, almost in half with with the Cubs and yeah, like you said, I mean he, I don't, I think the days of Cody Bellinger hitting what he hit 47 home runs in the Juice Bar of 2019. So I don't, I don't, I don't think he's he's scraping 40 again. He yeah. hit 26 last year in 130 games. I could see him with a ceiling of getting into the 30s with like 20 stolen bases, and that's a very good player. Both in roto and points, especially if he has that low strikeout percentage, I think, especially a guy that's both outfield and first base eligible, you get some multi eligibility with a guy like that, and I, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. Now we just got to wait to see what other Scott Boris guys will sign for, if they yep. ever do. Yeah. All right. Uh, last couple of notes. We're going to try to get out of here. <laughs> In an hour and 45, we got three minutes, so let's wrap it up here. All right. Um, like I said, first episode. Um, a little bit of injuries that have happened. I've, I've, I I down a couple of big ones that have happened before spring training and into it. Corey Seager, sports hernia surgery on January 30th. Some news came out, though, I saw, is that he might be expected to start the season. So um, he's falling down draft boards a little bit. You can get a little bit of a discount on Corey Seager. Um, I've taken that discount couple times so and you've taken an optimistic uh pick <laughs> as well on him so according to second. scott white yeah code mm-hmm. singa scary one right shoulder uh posterior capsule strain i say that like i'm a doctor and i know what it is um yeah. but everything that i've heard it translated through is that it just doesn't sound good he got an injection so for for frame of reference this is the same injury that Kyle Wright had after Kyle Wright's amazing Braves season. And yeah. we didn't get to see much of Kyle Wright nope. last year. He I'll came back surprised. a few times, but couldn't find a way to pitch through it. Not all pitchers are built the same. Sanga right. could could be all right, but it's it's not something you want to hear. Yeah. I mean, I see maybe a late summer return 
at the earliest, June, July. So, Kyle Bradish, right UCL sprain. Sounds like the Orioles are optimistic. Um, I think it's going to be really telling if the Orioles get another pitcher um, here in the offseason, and that's really going to sway me one way or the other on Kyle Bradish. Um, but, yeah. It's not the best news you want to hear. He was a really good pitcher going in the top 15 of starting pitchers before this injury news. Uh, Gunnar Henderson had a right oblique soreness. Sounds like he's getting better from that. Uh, Aaron Judge, a uh, report came out that he said that uh, toe issue that affected him last year when he kicked the wall in the Dodgers stadium is going to be something he's going to have to play with for the rest of his career. That scares me. I don't like that. Aaron Judge is a big dude that's been injury prone. I know he had the record-breaking home run MVP season, but I'm not a fan. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I think we might be not totally on opposite sides of worry with this. Like, obviously, it's concerning, and he's, like you said, a big guy with injury history. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm. I would move him down really in my draft board based on this. I'd, I'd probably have to see it play out this year and see if this is going to affect him for the rest of his career or how it, after an off season, a full off season of trying to get into the best health he can see how it goes this year. Go. And would, then going forward, you can kind of project based on that. Would you rather have Jordan Alvarez injury prone guy slugger or Aaron judge? Probably Aaron Judge. I, I I like I like Jordan a lot. Um, okay. But I'd probably take Aaron Judge if if the coin flips there for me. Sure. A uh, couple pitcher news. Uh, Walker Bueller uh, reported that he's going to start the season potentially on the IL or just have a slow ramp up. Um, I think it's smart from the Dodgers' decision. I, I think they want to save his bullets. You know for later in the season and into the postseason. So I see it more of that standpoint. I'm not as worried from a guy, even though he's coming off his second Tommy John surgery. We've seen what he can do. I think he can still be an ace. Yeah. Hope, hopefully no setbacks in that ramp up. And right. you know, he, he had that at the end of last year. He was expected to come back a little yep. sooner than, than he did. And then they just shut him down completely. At the end another, of the year. Another guy with a similar issue is uh, Shane Boz, also coming back from Tommy John, a guy that has really high upside. I mean, I think he's still – is he still prospect eligible? I mean, he's barely pitched, but – I think he pitched somewhere around like 28 innings two years ago. Yeah. So. But he's another guy that's probably going to be pushed back into May um, with his ramp up uh, coming back from that Tommy John. Yeah, Walker Bueller and Shane Boz are, like I said earlier, a couple of those guys that that they're hurt. Same with Kershaw, they're hurt. You, I want to draft them and stash my IL, but you can't fill your whole IL with these kinds of guys. Nope, uh, one or two max, but after that, you're 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 playing with too much fire. Yeah. Uh, lastly, Justin Verlander popped up that he had a shoulder issue, said he could be pushed back, but I've seen some more optimistic news in the last couple of days. Um. He's progressed in his throwing program. So we we might see Verlander start opening day. If not, I think he misses one, maybe two starts. So take that for what you yeah. want. Yeah. You never like to see an older guy with 
with shoulder issues, but we'll see how it goes. Verlander's Hall of Fame caliber guy. He knows his body. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be fine. All right. I was going to ask you one quick question before we get out of here. What do you look for in spring training games? Like, what what are you analyzing when you're hearing stats and seeing games? What I really look for when following, well, I had a different approach last year. So this year is a bit different. This year, I'm more looking into the velocity readings, if they're up, down, with pitchers and control, for sure. Um, For batters, where they're batting in the spring training games, like guys like Wyatt Langford consistently batting in the three-hole. Granted, he struggled, but it's an optimistic, I want to see more at-bats for guys like fighting for a job like that. Um, And then who's... You know, like I said, velo readings is that's kind of how I got a tip on Kyle Bradish last year. All of his mm-hmm. velo things were up, and I was like, oh, might be a guy worth taking a shot on. Things like that. Yeah, I think similar for me as well. Um, I want to see fringe guys perform well to see if they can make opening day rosters. Um, I think that's what I looked at a couple years ago, like when Bobby Wynn and Julio Rodriguez were kind of fringy guys to start. Um, similar to you, I, uh, I'll add on to pitchers. I like to see them working on new pitches. Similar like like Bryce Miller's working on a splitter. I like to see kind of how that's working. Spencer Strider's working on a curveball. So it's I want to see how these new pitches are going to work in, in some pitchers' arsenals. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we got out of here in two hours. Yeah, we, we got a little past the 145 mark. I, like so I said, if you stuck show. around this long, we appreciate it. Definitely. All right, well, next time you'll be seeing us, we're going to be breaking down some teams, some divisions. Uh, we'll probably start, I think, in the NL and kind of work division by division, seeing what we project for each team, some breakouts, some busts from each team, uh, where they're going to factor into maybe some of our lineups and um, just kind of see how players are progressing during spring training. Shane, you got anything else to add before we get out of here? No, I think we've taken up enough time. (laughs) All right. Well, from the Cutoff Man Baseball Podcast, I'm Jay Collin. This is Shane Walker. We'll see you next time.